So, David, welcome back. You've just been on holiday. I have been, and um, <laughs> haven't you been on holiday, or have you been working, mate? No, no, I've been filled with all kinds of anxiety that since you've been <laughs> gone, <laughs> keep on checking the, the news, and I'm fired with all these things, and... and I don't think you're allowed to go on holiday again, mate. <laughs> uh, I think checking the news is very bad for you. If I'd known you were doing that, I'd have stopped you. I've pinged you a load of stuff. And most of it, I have to admit, I didn't look at. <laughs> I was on holiday. Well, that's it's the what definition I mean. of holiday. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, I'd like a bit of help in dealing with some All right, come things. on then. Let's ch- tell us the, the collective lunacy which has popped up while I've been away. Okay, I will do after this. Hello, thanks for joining us. My name's Ian Stroud. And my name is David Malone. And this is Hyperland. Yes, well, I don't know where to start, David. You've been, just... you've been listening to the news again, haven't you? I have, and... and um, I'm How worried. many times have I told you it's bad for your health? <laughs> I thought it was quite good to sort of look at where we are in terms of Hyperland. Um, I, I, all right. I haven't kind of forgotten that my research before we started off was 80% of all podcasts fail, um, which is a good start. Have we failed? No, and we're still here. We're still doing it. We've got people oh, listening, and and uh, my biggest surprise is they're all over the place. I was expecting like maybe a couple of people on the Wirral. <laughs> <laughs> you you're the one with all the software. So oh, where are people? Okay, listening? all right. So we've got predominantly United Kingdom, but there's about ten percent of listeners are from the United States. All oh, right. Okay, that's six, nice. Six percent from Italy. Similar amount from Australia. Italy? Italy. Maybe it was that Jonathan's podcast. Uh, could maybe. be. I don't, I don't yeah, maybe, know. Maybe they're all from Unicredit and they're cursing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish they bloody were, and I wish they'd given him some money, because, I, I, I mean, that was a, a great podcast. The only thing, I think he, he told the story really well, but I, I, I kind of feel as if the story that we didn't tell was the 16 years that he's gone, that has gone by, and yeah. he's still dealing with it. Uh, I, I, it would be nice to get him back on, but, but yeah, four percent from Ireland, Japan, Singapore, Belgium, Germany, Sweden, France, Greece, Poland, Switzerland, Canada, India, Colombia, Czech Republic, Netherlands, Qatar, Thailand, Ireland, Isle of Man, and Jersey. Well, I'm glad to know we've got a few money lenders listening. It's a good. <laughs> Well, it's a global reach. But, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I think we're doing all right. Um, How many have we done? There's been 10 now. The most successful one was probably Jonathan's because I think he he mm. retweeted it and his million followers, um, I think three of them joined. So <laughs> <laughs> we doubled our audience. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, yeah, I think Jonathan's was probably. But the other ones, yeah, the bird flu. And I think this is part of the issue that I've got. I still try and explain what you were talking about in Bird Blue. And I sometimes just I'm aware of a little kind of, yeah, flat earthers, bit mad. Yeah. But mm, I, yeah, I agree with you. The, the sort of traction now that we're seeing, and this was, was the point, Sky and the BBC were both reporting about Disease X and Porting Down and... and yeah, but, well... They're, they're still st- trying to run a different kind of narrative. You know, the, the narrative they want is the same one that they were using to justify all the work 
which they were doing before COVID at Wuhan and other places and all the, you know, the, the NIH and the rest of it is they dreamt it up basically around 2009. Um, and the people who dreamt it up were essentially the same people who then signed either the Lancet letter or the Proximal Origins. Yeah, well, I, I kind of wanted to come back onto um, Fauci um, and some yeah. of the emails and things. But before we do that, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just, some of the things I fired over to you were uh, Reuters were reporting uh, Namibia abandoning poultry imports from Denmark and Netherlands due to bird flu. The yeah. WHO has come out 12th of July with a statement sort of saying, yes, there is a, a possibility that it's an ongoing risk to humans. The CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, I'll put a little link on, they did a kind of quite interesting article on, on a bit a bit, a bit like the, the bird flu podcast that we did. I'm looking forward to, to possibly getting Sinatra on to... Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've contacted her. She's, she's interested in talking to us, but... Um... It's, it's it's purely for validation. It's purely for yeah. for for, pe yeah. for people to sort of take. I mean, one last thing on Berkeley before we go on to Fauci. Actually, was in the podcast you said that you <laughs> given him a strict instruction to your three boys that if there's any outbreak of bird flu, that mm. they drop everything and they join you and you you start locking down. I mean, how much truth is there in in what happens if something? does break well i mean that's i was actually wondering if we shouldn't do a podcast a sort of a fictional one because if you if you look at what um, happened in 2009 which um although it, it, it the outbreak was in pigs it was bird flu it was called swine flu because the outbreak was in swine flu but what you can see there is in 2009 we already had most of the the systems that we currently have in place for for governments to alert their own population and other governments so the way that that outbreak unfolded gives you a perfect template for how the next one would yeah and the americans found out very very quickly that this was a bird flu and an unusual one it, it, all the systems worked perfectly someone came in they were sick they were swabbed it went to the local um clinic they realized it was bird flu but it wasn't one that they had antigens for so they sent the sample straight to the cdc yeah cdc got back to them and said yes this is an unusual bird flu and everything swung into action yeah really really exactly as it sh should do all boxes ticked. yeah no nobody wasted any time and yet uh it spread to 153 countries in a, about nine weeks they fly fly faster than all birds <laughs> yes indeed so you know if you look at that what it says is if we had uh, an outbreak of bird flu in a country that has all the systems in place so america britain most of europe yeah and that has a track record of actually doing what it should do which is to tell everyone unlike china which is a long track record of doing exactly the opposite so if it if, it, if the outbreaks happen in china things will be a lot worse and that's yeah. that's not me being anti-Chinese, it's being me being anti-the Chinese government's bureaucracy, which uh, I am against. Yeah, and possibly um, just you being honest, because I think we've seen it. But well, uh, what I was just going to say is that we know th that if there's an outbreak of bird flu, it will spread via 
um, air traffic very, very quickly. And it will spread no matter how good the warning systems are, because we have a, had a good warning system in 2009. Yeah. It's not that much better now. Just more countries have joined in being better. But you won't stop it because they, even if on the very first day they decide that it's bird flu, it would already have probably spread to most of the big um, uh, air travel centers already. Yeah. yeah. There was a, a study out very recently which actually said, oh, we think the mortality rate from if it was an H5N1 bird flu would be about 60%. Now, oh, I've been up. using a figure yeah. of 50%. Yeah, you mentioned 50% in the podcast. Yeah, well, you know, they're looking at it and saying it could be even higher. So that's why I said to the boys what I said. It sounds it sounds sort of um, science fictiony, sort of, you know, Mr. Prepper, slightly silly. Yeah. But it's not. It, bird flu is that dangerous. We have no um, uh, vaccine for it. It's already immune to at least one, probably two of our antivirals. We don't have that many antivirals. Yeah. We, cer we certainly don't have the um, stockpiles. Okay. In anything like it. So, in other words, if it starts, we already know from the 2009 version that it will spread. It will certainly spread to, uh, through all the major airlines, which is, you know, Britain, Frankfurt, um, you know, most of the, the big nations. It'll already be in. So, so the sen um, well, the sensible so, thing would be to try and stop it. And and the, one of the links I sent to you was about France. Um, I think in October they're going to start a, a vaccine program for the poultry. Is that right? Yeah, this this has been going on for a while, and the experts are quite divided against it about it. Um, on the one hand, it will cut down um, the uh, number of birds who get sick, but then they're still spreading it. it it's the sickness the vaccine will will sort out. They might yeah, not die of it, but they'll still be spreading it. That's the yeah, issue. Okay. exactly. So what it does what it does is it will stop the uh, massive impact that it has on the industry and by the industry i also mean the consumer because you know yeah. if they have to slaughter 100 million chickens then chickens get slightly more expensive it will hurt the people in a, a country that relies on their domestic production it means people will starve and even in countries where we won't starve the cost will shoot up, so people will get hungry, even if they're not starving. Yeah, I mean, um, we're already in a uh, sort of. Food. We're already in that situation. Yes, exactly. That's the point so, it, so it it will do that, but it. The argument on the other side is, as you said, it doesn't stop them shedding the virus. Yeah. So it doesn't stop the virus from continuing to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. The mutation. So, yeah, and will we end up with a situation? where birds that are shedding the virus will still be traded and that will spread the virus? Answer probably yes, given the, the bountiful examples of that of exactly that happening. Yeah. So I don't I'm not I'm not informed enough to take much of a view on that. All I can tell you is that there are people are the scientists involved are really very divided. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether I think what we can say is it's not going to solve the risk to human beings. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, well, um, one other thing that's sort of come out recently is Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
I've been friends with um, uh, someone who's followed the Chernobyl story for a long time, but without going into it in great detail. Mm -hmm. um, after Chernobyl, there was a bunch of scientists uh, in Belarus, Bandashevsky and a couple of others, uh, and they worked in children's hospitals and they noticed massive increase in childhood cancers, leukemias, and yeah. um, uh, and lots of uh, genetic disorders. So um, kids being born that look very much like thalidomide babies. And there was a, uh, a lot of work done, good scientific work done, and a lot of data, just massive amount of data from all these hospitals. Mm -hmm. And that data has never really seen the light of day. Yeah. Um, I started following that shortly after Chernobyl and the group of the small group of um, scientists in Belarus who figured in that really good HBO um, drama. Yeah. Uh, and that was a wonderful drama. Yeah. But it did still give you the impression that this was a Russian cover up. Uh, and of course, the Russians did cover things up. Yeah. But since then, it has not been a Russian cover-up. It's been a Western cover-up. Um, the, the science which has been available, the massive amount of data, um, has essentially been suppressed by Western science. And I don't say that lightly, but you can document the suppression, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, right. And it, it's the same kind of suppression of science as you... Ah, uh, this is leading us so, <laughs> well, it's, it's, our next favourite in COVID. Um, it, it's it's the same thing. But I, before we get onto it, I just wanted to go back to finish off what I'm just mentioning in, in the the the, the narrative that's still being run about about disease X. Yeah, because okay. the narrative was there. The narrative they want is there's all these dangers out there. That's why we've got to go out and go to bat caves and sample bats and bring them back and do all the work and yeah. then do all the gain of function work to decide what it would be like if it became able to transmit. That That's their justification. Yeah. And they're still peddling this justification. Um, and I, th I think it always was very thin and I think it continues to be very thin because there are hundreds of thousands of diseases. So... If we went out and sampled 10,000 dangerous diseases, brought them back and started doing gain on function, there's no guarantee. In fact, the odds are against us that all we've learned will be of any use whatsoever for the next outbreak. Yeah. So there's something about that that doesn't ring true. I think it's more just that the virologists want to do virology and get the funding for it. Can you uh, explain this, this gain of function? Yeah, I mean, gain of function is... Uh, Needless to say, because it's become very political, various interested parties have tried to start to change what the definition means. Yeah. But essentially, in its simplest, gain of function means you take a naturally occurring virus and in the lab, you give it an ability it doesn't have in nature. Right. So you, you, you give it a new ability that could be to transmit between mammals or to transmit amongst humans. So you add something to it. Yeah. And the reason you do that is you say, what would we have to add to it? What is it it lacks? What, what is it that it would have to evolve in order to become a pandemic danger? Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the, the notion is, once we've created the monster, we'd then be able to create the antidote to the monster. Yeah. 
but you know um you have to create the monster and then having created the monster if it gets out of the lab then you have created the thing you said you were defending us against a thing which didn't yet exist until you made it yes so yeah, you can yeah. see you can see the problem and well, the justification is well this is the best way of defending ourselves yeah yeah um, and what i find unsettling about it is that has always been the justification for chemical and biological warfare of course we're not going to make a dreadful poisonous chemical but other people might be so we so need to make it to understand it, it yeah. to make the vaccine for it yeah and and the fact that that means we've made it well let's, let's gloss over that so I, I find it unsettling that that same structure is being used um to justify this work and it it, it further bothers me because that justification of well these things are out there in nature you know it's the standard environmental line and yeah. I, I do think the environmentalists have been useful idiots in this um <laughs> that they've said well you know we're chopping down the rainforest and this is where all the diseases are so we then go live in the rainforest and that's where we're getting new diseases yeah well covid didn't come from a rainforest that anyone was chopping down covid didn't come from uh, anywhere in nature where people were suddenly moving in so it doesn't fit that yeah. uh, and the the circumstantial the weight of circumstantial evidence is clearly that it wasn't there in nature uh and then we we got it because we chopped down the rainforest and moved in where we shouldn't be living it was created in a lab in a major city yeah well uh, and so that na narrative is a, is the one they want to keep running and yeah, it yeah. means you're distracted from the the narrative of what actually appears to have happened and that's just yeah, that's worrying. Well, distraction, distractions are, are an ongoing thing, but uh, neatly goes into Fauci now in terms of that. It was the gain of function research in Wuhan that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I that mean, emails. Yes, and, exactly. And, and yeah. messages on, on something like WhatsApp. It's called Slack. But um, yeah. one of them was from um, a scientist, Christian Anderson. I'll just read it to you. Yeah, uh, he says on Slack, 1st of February 2020. I think the main thing still in my mind is that the lab escape version is so friggin' likely to have happened because they were already doing this type of work and the molecular data is fully consistent with that scenario. February 2020. Yeah, and just a handful of days later, he signs the Proxima Origin saying to even suggest that it came from lobbyist conspiracy theory and you're, you're 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 on the verge of racism and you're just undermining science and the international order of things uh and what we do know what we do know is that between him writing that email mm. and him signing the proximal origin there was no new data yeah yeah so nothing new came across his desk now you might say how could you possibly know that you know you weren't there david yeah. you you didn't see his desk maybe something came across that was top secret it's true all true but if something had come across his desk which was the smoking gun yeah. to prove that it had a natural origin and to completely knock on the head all the things you know the possibility yeah uh, would they not have published that would they not have told us would they not have said here's the proof yeah yeah totally. of course of course they would so they haven't so there wasn't my my worry is I found out about this on Sky News Australia. 
I couldn't. I, I, I kind of searched over here. I looked on BBC uh, website. I looked on the Sky website over here, and it didn't seem to be anything about. It. Why? Why? Why are we not discussing it in the UK? Um, well, in- because the these the sort of the media who you might sort of call them the progressive, you know, the, they they champion all the progressive causes. So let's call them progressive. I, yeah. I, I don't I don't want to call them left wing because I don't think they are left wing. Yeah. Um. So I've got to search for another name, and I'm volunteering progressive. Uh, okay. What to call them? They they've got their narrative, and their narrative is it came from nature, and um, everything else is uh, xenophobic, if not racist, and it's anti-science. And they've dug themselves in so firmly to that narrative, I don't see how they get out of it now. I mean, I still think it would be better for them it, 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 right up to the yeah. 11th hour just to go, we were wrong, we were massively wrong, we apologise, we grovel at your feet. But I'm not sure they're going to. I think they're just going to keep doubling down. Even though there's now just, it's not even a trickle. It's a steady flow of, you know, things like that. Yeah. yeah. E- email from Christian Hansen. And, and 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 there's there's a lot of others. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Drosten, uh, all, all the people we mentioned, you know, as being the that coterie. Um, and there's just no two ways about it. They said one thing; it's so friggin' likely, and then the next they're saying, no, absolutely, we've looked yeah, absolutely and it's scientifically. Not, yeah. I, I don't know what else you call that other than a lie. I really don't. I mean, I, I, it it beats me how how they could do that in all conscience. Yeah. The only way I can see it is it, it, it boils down to the greater good. You know, somewhere in their mind, they're saying, I know this is a lie. I know I'm perjuring myself. I know this is undermining people's faith in science, which is what worries me. Yeah. But somehow they think this is justified because of some greater good. I don't know what they think that greater good is. Yeah. But I, I don't see any other explanation for it. Um, you know, as we said back then, and it's true, there isn't actually a single shred of scientific evidence that that COVID had a natural origin. Yeah. Not Not one piece. All there is is to say, in the past, novel um, uh, diseases or diseases that made the jump have done so um, from a natural origin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's just a general sort of statement. Yeah, okay. And and, th- and that was true in a world before we had gain of function technology. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you, you've 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 somewhat calmed me down a little bit. I'm feeling less anxious. Or, or am I feeling more anxious? I'm not too sure. <laughs> but going back to, to Hyperland and kind yeah. of how we've we've had a little break um, and you've come back well rested. What, apart from uh, Chernobyl, <laughs> I can point to one request that we've had from somebody. Caroline Lodge from the Wirral got in touch and she said, mm-hmm. have you or are you about to record anything on AI? And at which point I had to confess. Mm, go on then. <laughs> we have recorded a podcast on AI. In fact, um, we've done four. <laughs> yeah. And and okay, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna be honest with everyone. But we we recorded one, and I thought I thought I was really on fire in that one. But you you felt that you missed some important points out. 
Mm. So, so it is a complex um, subject. Um, so we did the second one, and I think we we both agreed. That, yeah, that, that one went probably a, a little bit better. At which point, I looked down um, to stop the recording and realised I hadn't started it. <laughs> so by this, by, by this time, angel delight is seeping from my ears. And we do a third one, <laughs> which was terrible. Uh, to do a fourth one after that, um, and when I listened to it back, it just sounded like. The, do you remember the Muppets? The two old men sitting up in the box. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this coffee tastes like mud. Yeah. Uh, it should do. It was ground this morning. Um, it was that yeah. kind of yeah. So I, the, there is another AI podcast coming soon. Yeah, I think we should do one. Yeah. Um, Anything um, else in mind? Yeah, uh, I really, really like to do one about um, our current state of democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the WHO one. Um, so the Chernobyl one, which does, of course, include the WHO. I'd like to do one on asteroid mining. Okay. Um, which does sound a bit, <laughs> pardon the expression, out there. Um but these are more speculative ones. Um, uh, I, I'd, I'd quite like to do somewhere rather than uh, here's, here's a massive amount of research which proves the case. Yeah. Some things which are just looking ahead and are just more speculative because I, I, I think there's a number of things like asteroid mining which are going to happen. Yeah. And it's really, I think it's interesting to try and look ahead and say, well, why is it going to happen? Who's going to do it? Who's going to benefit? What changes will it make? Um, and I think that's quite a, I looked at this quite a number of years ago. Um, and, and funny enough, the first time I did, I got Hollywood interested. Um, (laughs) Well, Jeff Goldblum uh, uh, said he would be happy to front it. Wow. Have you still got his email address? (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was, (laughs) it was a classic learning experience as I had this project and I kept mentioning it to people and they kept getting enthusiastic and they, each of them made it grow bigger. Yeah, yeah. To the point that it got so big I couldn't possibly control it and then it went pop and that was the end of it. Yeah. Um, but this was well, about a decade ago um, and things have carried on being really interesting. Uh, so I thought it would be interesting to talk about that. I think it um, would be interesting. I mean, that's the other feedback that I've, I've had from multiple people, which is, my God, isn't David clever? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Now, David just we- reads widely. No, uh, no, no. But the thing, what David does. Yes, but David is clever. I, I'm, I'm saying that. But I think actually, the more I heard it, I started to hear, "Aren't you stupid?" That's not fair. That's no, no. Fair. But what was even worse than that was um, we got some pictures up on Instagram to try. I mean, we're we're dinosaurs when it comes to social media both of us but um got some pictures up on um, instagram and the next comment that came through is god isn't he good looking <laughs> okay we so, can stop this right now i know i know but it was kind of like all right okay so yeah I, i'm the stupid ugly one of the pair <laughs> I, I wouldn't i wouldn't feel bad i think they just need to go to spec savers mate <laughs> well on that one i'm i'm looking forward to to Keep keeping this going. Let's right. not... Well, listen, I mean, what I'd quite like to do is to do some that are speculative and looking ahead. Yeah. Um, and, and others, I think, well, a bit like this one, there's sort of a miscellany of stuff because there's lots of things that come up which you'd think, oh, 
don't want to do a whole podcast on that, but it'd be good to talk about them. Well, um, you, and, stuff you, that's that's in you know in the news. Um, so I think we should do a couple that are sort of the miscellany of the local of the the news of recent moments. Well, I, I think as as this one's proven, there are some things that need a bit of a better explanation of what's behind a news story, but also we're not hearing some of the news in terms of Sky. Um, well, that Australia, I mean, Sky is you know. interesting because that Sky in Australia absolutely just held out, um, and they are they are right wing. There's, there's yeah. no two ways about it. But that's the weird place we're in: is on certain topics, the right wing are the only one who will touch them. Now, you could say yes, and I don't like the way they talk about them. Yeah, and th- some of that is certainly true. But my response to that is, well, then stop leaving it to them to, to, to do, be to the only ones yeah. addressing this topic. Yeah, yeah. Because totally. you're leaving a vacuum. You know, should should the progressive or the left wing press have talked about the possibility, the possibility, the scientific possibility mm. that COVID leaked from a lab? Yes. Did they? No. Yeah. So there was a vacuum, and therefore the only place where people could go to read about it was the right wing press. So yeah. you can't then complain about the right wing press. Well, to be honest with you, I, I, I see the, the news and the headlines and I read them and where they come from. I, I don't want us to say I don't care where they come from. I mean, you quite often refer to the, the Tory graph. I'm just like, you know, I'll pick up the Telegraph to see the, the football <laughs> scores. <laughs> They're not going to lie about that, are they? Yes, but no, I, know, I, don't think no, so. I, I kind of, I, there's a, there's a, a caveat of, of where are we hearing things from that we need to understand and address. Um, But you're right. I mean, I'd like to talk about um, what's going on in Ukraine, but I'd quite like to do that now, really, as part of this miscellany. I think that's what we should call this one. Well, Um, I I, I feel quite strongly is not the word. What's happening in Ukraine? I went to Crimea in 2012. On my bucket list is definitely has been uh, St. Petersburg, Moscow. I'd love to go out there. I, I, I don't think I can do it justice in in a in a sort of rambling. <laughs> no, <laughs> the history. But I just wanted. I just wanted to say one simple thing, really, which is that, and and it, it, I've noticed it beginning to come up. Did you did you see in the headlines that? there was a, a, a bit of a to-do between the leader of the Ukraine and NATO because um, at a recent meeting, NATO said, well, we oh, think yes. that Ukraine might need to compromise with Russia on some of the territorial questions, and, and in return, they'd get membership to NATO. Yeah, I think Salzenberg, Solzen- is it? Yeah, I can't remember his name, sorry. He, he's he's um, come back and, and sort of said, no, 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 that, was, that was, shouldn't have been said. Yeah, but I think it was said, and I think they'll say it again. Yeah, and th- this is just my thought on this: is that that regardless of what you think is right or wrong, there's a certain realpolitik element to this. And if Ukraine said, "Look, we want the whole east back because you know you invaded," and and we want Crimea as well. Okay, I could I could see some kind of compromise being reached with Russia because although there are not sort of ethnic Russians there. Russia has not behaved well, and I can see that the the international uh, order, such as it is, will back them yeah. and say, okay, uh, yeah, Ukraine, you're right, you should get that back. But if Ukraine then says, and we want we want Crimea and we want Sebastopol, I see that as a nuclear flashpoint 
because it is the home to Russia's nuclear fleet, the nuclear yeah. fleet which they use for basically the southern, for the Mediterranean and all points that you can get to through either going out the Med or down the Suez. Yeah. Is Russia going to give one of its only, I think it's three ports that can house a nuclear fleet away? Are they going to say, it would be like saying to Russia, imagine if there was an independence movement that sprung up in Hawaii mm -hmm. and said, you know, we want you out. We, we want to control yeah. this port and we, we want the American fleet out. Is that really going to happen? I don't think Russia would ever agree to that. And and to insist on it, I think you you are then approaching uh, a, a nuclear flashpoint. Mm. And so I think that's uh, as soon as I this, I've been thinking about this for a while because yeah. it just seemed so obvious. And then when I heard this this fellow from NATO saying this, thought, ah, okay, there you go. Then they're, they're beginning to talk about it because I, I think they will have to. Someone will have to say to uh, the Ukrainians, um, you're going to have to dial down this rhetoric. The problem is, domestically, it would be very unpopular to dial down that rhetoric, and yeah. we've we helped create this rhetoric that, you know, Russia is completely the wrong, and I, I, I think they are in the wrong. But on a, I cannot see Russia agreeing to that. And I think it might be the place where the West has to say to Ukraine, no, you, you're going to have to let them have their nuclear port. Anyway, that, I just thought that yeah. was a, an, interesting, an interesting thing because I think I, I suspect that's going to shape some of the politics of what goes on in Ukraine in the next few months I, well i think i think I, I can't remember exactly when the the elections are coming up for putin but mm. i think that's the next potential yeah. big change but i think whether putin was in charge or not for russia to agree to give up the it's it's only really southern port for its nuclear yeah fleet would be such a massive thing I mean, the only, I, I, do, I do think something will have to be done about that rhetoric. Yeah, it's it's not a sort of bite-sized thing that I can get my head around in terms of the whole history behind Crimea mm -hmm. and 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 why they were largely Russian-speaking in Crimea anyway was mm -hmm. largely to do with um, Russia moving people there. Of course, yeah. I mean, the the the, the large um, ethnic Russian majority in the east of of Ukraine, the, the the part that they initially invaded, it is a, it's a very large. I think it is possibly majority ethnic Russians, and you know you could say, well, yes, but they were moved in there by Stalin, which yeah. they were. Yeah. But that's quite a while ago. So there's two generations that have been born there, and it's it's where they live. Yeah. No. Yeah. So what do you say? I mean, well, if I'm... you say they've got to go because they weren't there originally. You're in a sticky wicket when it comes to talking about Israel. Well, and I, no one's going to say that about the Israelis, nor should they. Okay. Well, let's. Um, that's. I'm looking forward to all of those. Um, I think we should wrap. I think we should too. All right. Well, well good to talk to you again. Welcome mate. back. And just for the for any listeners, uh, any listeners, <laughs> both of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Facebook, Instagram, Substack um, and is where David is writing his pieces and there's links to the, the podcast there. Thanks for listening. <laughs>